Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're joined by CGSR volunteer Piyush Patel to discuss two films by acclaimed South Indian director Mani Ratnam. First up, Shah Khan pursues a woman with a dangerous secret in 1998's Dilse. Then a maniacal Abhishek Bakchan kidnaps Aishwarya Rai in 2010's Ravan. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Uh, welcome back, lovers. Welcome, Piyush, to the show. We're very excited to have you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, good. As a, as a background for, for everyone, we met Piyush at the Alberta... Indie, the India, India Film, Film Festival, Festival of Alberta, Alberta um, and got to chatting and it became very, very clear that you had to come on the show because you have so much to offer. You know so much more than we do about uh, Indian cinema as you are Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really, really excited to talk about Manny Ratman, who is a director that we've been meaning to get to for a while. So I'm excited we have, like, a diehard fan with us. Oh, thank you. And I really appreciate you saying that. And, yeah, Mani Ratnam is one of my favorite directors mm-hmm. when it comes to Hindi cinema. And he's done a lot of work in the, the South film industry yeah. as well. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Dilse and Ravan and talking more about it. Before we get to that, though, we do have an update on my mother um, and her okay. uh, Bollywood viewing experiences. She When's wa- she coming on the show, by the way? Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got to bring her on. I don't know. She watched Talvar, uh, and she loved it. Mm. I think kind of unsurprisingly, uh, as we talked about Talvar in a past episode, uh, it's an excellent film and, you know, kind of has all those... Uh, true crime twists that you know people people really enjoy. So well, I she's think, a mystery fan, so you yeah, know, it's, it's one that I think anyone who likes mysteries and can read subtitles would appreciate because it, mm-hmm. it just has such a satisfying and also unsatisfying resolution to this crazy yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. So I think next up, I'm going to recommend that she watches Kahani, which is another great mystery. It has. Video Balan in an excellent role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she might also like Dangal because Dangal's crowd pleasing. Yeah, who, who doesn't like Dangal? Hey. I've never, I've, I haven't met a person who didn't like Dangal. It seems yeah. like all of China loved it. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Um, so before we get into talking about Ratnam, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your work with CJSR here in Edmonton? I would love to. Uh, I've been volunteering with CJSR on and off since uh, 2014 Mm -hmm. and I started off just organizing their music library and my goal was to have my own show a weekly hour show and that's what I'm working towards right now Uh, what I do right now is do fill-ins for other other shows uh, where uh, the DJs can't come in for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and I'm just getting uh, practice I'm getting more comfortable on on air uh, so my goal is to have my own show, at least apply for one mm. by the end of this year. Nice. And hopefully, like I have to submit a demo. So hopefully they like my demo and I get the green light. Mm-hmm. And I hope to, uh, I hope to have a show by the end of this this nice. year. If you don't mind me asking, what's the premise behind the show? So the show is gonna going to be called From Here We Go Sublime, mm. and it's mostly gonna be. 
uh, indie rock and electronic music. Yeah. Uh, I also go to a lot of shows in Edmonton, so I would like to have my listeners kind of keep them up to date about what's happening in terms of concerts, cool. play some music from these bands so they can get a little bit of a preview. And then the segment that I'm very excited about is I'm going to do a segment called Sublime Frequencies, mm-hmm. where every show, I listen to a lot of world music. So every show, I would take my listeners to a different part of the world. Cool. Uh, so like, for example, I would take them to Turkey, play one song from Turkey, give them a little context behind the song. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that part. So nice. that's, 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 the, that's the idea right now. Uh, it might change as I do more shows. Yeah. So that's that's the idea. And you put together a really interesting program recently for the 70th anniversary of India's independence. That's right. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Because that was fascinating. I would love to. And I'm so happy that you actually checked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, some of you might know that India just turned 70 years old on 15th August, uh, just last week. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I grew up in in India. Um, I should have mentioned that, I guess. Uh, (laughs) I moved to Canada in uh, 2002, so when I was 14. So I've lived half my life there and half my life Mm -hmm. here, so I just gave away my age, but that's okay. (laughs) You're Um, the same age as us. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember um, August 15th, which is the Independence Day, was always a big deal in India, or Mumbai, I should say. Uh, I remember I had to like do parades and Mm -hmm. sing like songs in class and but the thing is that as i get older the aspect that doesn't get mentioned a lot is what happened after the independence which mm-hmm. was partition of india yeah. into yeah. india and pakistan so that show uh that's what i wanted to focus on because it's such a big in my opinion a big stain on indian history and uh, the effects of that are still being felt right now oh, in yeah. terms of communal yeah. tensions um, so I wanted, I did a show, uh, taking my listeners back to August 15th, 1947 and what happened before the partition and what happened after the partition. And I love post-punk music mm-hmm. and it's a bit ironic that I'm playing British post-punk to express my anger and rage yeah. about the partition, but post-punk along with Hindi music was my first love, mm-hmm. so it made sense. So between all of that, I mm-hmm. played some clips, audio clips from like BBC, from the Indian equivalent of BBC, which was the Doordarshan. Mm-hmm. And within all of that, I played some music, some Indian Hindi music, some Pakistani music. And yeah, I was really happy with how it turned out. And thank you for the compliment once again. Well, I really appreciated it because, so Matt and I talk all the time about how it's, insane to us that in school, so in kind of junior high and high school social studies, we here, didn't in Alberta, any, yeah. here in Alberta, <laughs> we didn't learn anything about India. I can tell you all like so much about Brazil and China and Japan and obviously the former Soviet Union mm-hmm. and France and the UK, but I knew very little about India. Much mm-hmm. less and the partition, largest human migration in, human, yeah, in yeah. history. Partition yeah. is the yeah. largest known human migration in history. 14 yes. million people were displaced and a million people died. And we are still feeling the effects of that. And those yeah. are like and the official numbers. Yeah. Right? yeah. So there's definitely more than that. Yeah. And before partition, India was one-fifth of the world's population. After partition, it was one-sixth. 
And that doesn't include all of the Indians that live all over the world who have also been affected by this, including mm-hmm. here in Canada and in Alberta. That's right. And so now I'm trying, you know, because it, it, it features in, in the film industry mm-hmm. um, that I have come to really uh, admire and appreciate and enjoy, um, I'm trying to learn uh, about this point in history. Right. And it can be challenging at times mm-hmm. because it's huge. Yes. It's huge. And so, you know, I'm always really, really grateful when people put together kind of um, p- ways to digest it. Right. And, and to try and understand, like, what was what was happening at the time. Yeah. You know, and I really, you know, I really think it's, in, again, insane that we learned nothing about India when we were in school. Yeah. And I hope that's changed. Yeah, there's probably a lot more Indian people in Alberta schools than there are, say, Japanese people, probably. there's Especially around here, there's a huge uh, uh, East Asian population. That's true. So, yeah. You know, it... South Asian. I, South Asian, sorry. They, they are, um, they're reevaluating the uh, curriculum at the moment, and maybe they want to take into account the demographics of our province, you right. know, and try and uh, key it more towards who actually lives here and who we can learn about. Mm-hmm. But see, I think it's just not the Canadian education system. Like, if I were to kind of use that same uh, reasoning, when I was in India mm-hmm. in a school... I never learned about Canadian history. Yeah, but I didn't why know. would you learn about Canadian history? Same reason why you would learn about Indian history, I guess. Right? I, I don't know. I like, think... I think They make us do Japan, they make us do China, they make us do USSR, which we... <laughs> we still had the Soviet books. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we were yeah. About that. It, was, it was crazy in, like, the 90s. To, the Soviet Union still going on. Like, no, the book... Buy a new book. <laughs> I think um, the effects of colonialism are still being felt, obviously. That's right. Um, and that the history of India is an integral part of world history. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I feel. And, I, we, and I don't feel that way about Canadian history. <laughs> and we could... You could tie in stuff like the... Uh, the Oh, 1921 is it the Kamagata Maru incident. Yes. Yeah, yes. Like, that, like that's that that's the direct tie-in. That's that's true. Yeah. Like I wonder if you guys learned about uh, that incident. In nope. Yeah. I I'm embarrassed to say I learned about it recently because they're making a movie about it. Right. And um, and because uh, Canada officially apologized for it, so those two mm-hmm. instances. I think it came up in my university post-Confederation history class. Yeah. (laughs) But that was it. For anyone unaware of this incident, there will be a link in the show notes. But the the quick summary is there was a boat from India that came to Canada and... um, With a bunch of refugees on it. A bunch of refugees, and they were denied entry. Yeah. Um, It's a stain on our um, national history of the 20th century. Yeah. 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 But on so, that fun note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what about uh, your relationship to Bollywood and Indian cinema, Piyush? What right. was the first Bollywood movie you remember seeing? So... Because you grew up in Mumbai, so I'm sure they were everywhere. They were, they yeah. were. I actually lived right across from a movie theater. Cool. And, uh, but this goes way uh, back. Uh, the first movie I remember seeing in a theater was uh, Ram Gopal Verma's Rangila. Okay. With uh, Amir Khan, nice. Jackie Shroff, and a very young Urmila Matonkar. I believe that was her first film. Hmm. And what happened was my aunt from Edmonton was visiting us in Mumbai, and they decided to go see this movie. And I was very young. I can't remember. I mean, I'm sure if I actually find out when Rangila was released, I can kind of place my 94, age. 94, 95, I think. Something like yeah. that. So I must have been like eight, seven, eight, maybe. And that's the first film I remember watching and really enjoying it. 
Amir Khan is so good in that film. He always and, is. <laughs> yeah, Amir Khan can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the first film. I definitely was watching, you know, movies at home mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But Rangila was my is the first memory I, I I still remember. And yeah, movies are huge in all over India, but more so in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. A lot of the movies are shot in Mumbai as well. Mm-hmm. It's funny when I tell people that I'm from Mumbai, they're like, oh, have you seen uh, Shah Rukh Khan's house? Have you seen Amitabh Bachchan's house? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen, like, any shoots? And I'm like, no. Yeah. You, you don't stand outside yeah. Amitabh Bachchan's house every Sunday waiting yeah. for him to wave? <laughs> I, I guess I'm, 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 my whole life has been a, a sham. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If and when we go to India, I don't know if I would do that. It just looks like standing up in the sun a lot. You just to see, see like a really it. small... Yeah. He just waves at the people yeah. and that's it. He goes back. Shah Rukh Khan does the same thing mm-hmm. if he's in town. And yeah, you see that in, in fan that they like replicate that whole practice of yeah. like standing outside the star's house. It's a big thing for like people from small towns mm-hmm. yeah. who have been like who grew up watching Amitabh Bachchan on the big screen. So the so the idea of actually seeing Amitabh Bachchan in real life, like it just like boggles their mind. Yeah. So if they come to Mumbai, that's the first thing they want to do. Yeah. For someone like who's lived there for so long. It would be cool, yeah. but I'm not like dying to do that. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like a touristy it, thing. It's like it is a touristy Vatican City and like, ah, the Pope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. People like to go see him. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, and a lot of the movies that are shot, they're mostly shot in studios. So you yeah. wouldn't like, That's right. unless you were on a film lot. Yeah. Like yeah. on a studio lot, you wouldn't see them filming things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine they're not like filming in the street exactly. everywhere every day. Especially it's a, a huge movie. city. Yeah, it's yeah, like you know they have such a big crew. Chances yeah. are there's probably a lot of security for the big stars. Yeah. So even if you happen to be in the area where they were shooting, it'd be very hard to actually get a good look at any of the actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been watching movies ever since I was little. Um, we didn't go to theaters a lot because it was expensive, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you know about the whole. Uh, black market when it comes to watching movies in the theaters. I think that came up in Miss Lovely, actually, right? Like, you can kind of buy, like, second-run tickets under the table or something? Yeah, I can yeah. I can kind of uh, give you, like, a brief uh, sure. uh, explanation. What it is is, so, there, there, there are quite a few. I'll only speak from Mumbai because that's where yeah. I'm from. Yeah. So there's lots of small theaters, or there used to be. Now they have cineplexes with yeah. like multiple theaters. But back in the day, what would happen is a big movie would come out, and everyone wants to see it on the first day. It's mm-hmm. called first day, first show. Yeah. A big movie fan would click, like he would say that with pride. I went to go see this movie first day, first show. Yeah. But the thing is, it's always like hard to get tickets. <laughs> like Rapta. Like which- <laughs> We saw for some reason. On the first day, first show. Right. But it's very hard to get tickets because they they Mm -hmm. have limited number of seats because they only have one theater. Yeah. Right? So you can imagine in a a big city like Mumbai, it sells out very quickly. So what they're called, they have a name for these people. What they do is they are the ones who buy the tickets and then they'll stand outside the theater and sell these tickets for like double, triple the price depending on how popular the movie is like scalpers right scalpers yeah Yeah. i don't know i don't know how i don't know if it still happens now because of like you know cineplex Mm -hmm. and you can buy tickets online and stuff like that yeah but i remember with me growing up in mumbai that was a big thing yeah Uh, so once in a while if there's a movie that 
we want to see will buy, will spend extra money and buy through a scalper. Mm. Yeah. But we couldn't afford it all the time. Yeah. Of course not. So I, it was, it's, it's kind of like a bad situation, but at the end of the day, you just want to see that film. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons why there's that article in Forbes about the industry only brings in, I think the figures were about $2 billion, but it could bring in about $10 billion, and a lot of that is because so much of the profits mm-hmm. are being made by people who are not legitimate, and so we're not getting proper box office figures. And so there's actually... Um, double the amount of tickets sold to Bollywood films annually as mm-hmm. opposed to Hollywood films all over the world. But they make a lot less money because of systems like these. Right. And also piracy doesn't help either. No piracy. Because the whole like yeah, the yeah. whole aftermarket, like when it comes to DVDs, Blu-rays, audio CDs, Bollywood or not just Bollywood, just Indian cinema in general, they're losing a lot of revenue mm-hmm. when it comes to sales of DVDs, yeah. CDs, because because of piracy, even here, not just in India, no one is buying physical media. Yeah. And not even just physical media, like even like why would people buy MP3s on iTunes when they can just illegally download it? So they're probably losing a lot of money in that department as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see if someone actually like did the numbers because I would be curious to find out how much money they're losing. Oh, yeah. I remember we were talking like after we watched uh, Shole and Mughali Azam, mm-hmm. like how come Criterion hasn't jumped on these mm-hmm. and maybe they are worried about the piracy issue but also like I would pay full price for a great Blu-ray restoration of both of those lots of backup features that kind of thing but maybe they just feel like it's not worth the risk. I, Their Indian cinema catalog is minor. It's, it's very minor. Yeah. I feel the issue yeah. I think I think the problem is they're worried about their target market. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, you just said that you would be interested in it. But I think, I wonder, like, how well they would do in terms of sales of yeah. these movies. Uh, I think Shole and Megali Asma, if they put them out on Criterion, would do gangbusters. If they, yeah? if they I can do, do Lena yeah. Dunham, they can do Shole. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think as, as, a, as a Criterion collector who follows the releases yeah. and, and kind of the, the fanfare around certain ones. I think it would do gangbusters. I would, I would I buy really Shole. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would buy... Yeah, I'll, I have lots of ideas on which ones they should do. Yeah. But maybe we could discuss that on some <laughs> other podcast. We could, we could uh, like, do a, uh, you know, a draft or something of what we would hope what they would do. Yeah. Fantasy. Fantasy yeah. Criterion. Fantasy Criterion, yeah. Bollywood edition. Yeah. yeah. We can talk about special features that they could do because <laughs> Criterion does an amazing job. They do. Uh, we could, yeah, it would be... Just imagine the best special features ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you seen DDLJ in Mumbai? I have. In the it's theater that funny, shows it every day? It's funny you mentioned that. I don't know if this was like, this is a coincidence, but when I went to India in 2014, mm-hmm. or DDLJ yeah. was celebrating some insane number of mm-hmm. weeks at the theater. Yeah. This, this theater is called Maratha Mandir, and I actually live like 15 minutes away from this theater. Oh, wow. So I actually caught that. Whatever year, like that milestone, week, yeah, that milestone. Nice. And I was there, standing in line. I went by myself, and these guys were outside the theater, 
and these guys had posters made that they were giving. I actually have that poster <gasps> cool. of Shah Rukh Khan on it, and these guys were like doing that Shah Rukh Khan the move, yes. the yeah. pose, yeah. and it was insane. <laughs> and I was That's sweet, and which they I, use spectacularly in Dilsey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I went to the theater, and it was. I've never had an experience like that at a theater. People are whistling yeah. at the songs. You know when Kajol makes her entry. Oh, in the Char- towel. In the yeah. towel when Shah Rukh Khan is riding the motorbike on yeah. the on the air uh, the air the runway. Yeah. People are going insane. <laughs> it's I so yeah I saw it and I love that film. That's awesome. Um, it's one of it's it's. It, it, if there was someone who didn't know a lot about Bollywood and wanted to get an idea, mm-hmm. DDLJ would be yeah. one of the films I would totally recommend because you get a little bit of everything in that yeah. film. It's a it's a must see. We did a whole episode. I think that was our eighth yeah. episode. I would, I would yeah. love to hear it. Yeah, that was a long time ago. We did that one, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think it, I think it holds up. I have, I mean, we've uh, we we've learned a lot uh, about Bollywood as with every episode we do, we mm-hmm. learn more and more about Bollywood. So I. I might be a bit embarrassed to go back to listen to some of our earlier episodes, but I, I think we did a good job on that I, one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like like podcasts or even like my radio show, mm-hmm. the way I look at them is they're, they're time capsules. Yeah, right. And yeah. I, I save all my shows too because, you know, 10 years down the road, I want to I wanna see or hear in this case what I was into back in 2017, yeah. What, yeah. what I was passionate about, and also like where I was at in terms of my skills. Mm-hmm. So you should—I don't think you should ever be embarrassed about <laughs> your because because it's always it's always getting better. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. Like, my first show, like I was so nervous about talking on air. Like I had my whole script prepared, and I was holding the paper, just reading, just reading. Yeah. And the thing is that Mike was so sensitive that I was actually shaking. Oh man! And it actually mm. you could hear the ruffling of the paper. Yeah. And now look at me, right? Well, and for example, yeah. now I know that Manny Ratnam has directed Dilsey and not Ram Gopal Varma. Yeah. In a older episode, I yeah. had misread my notes and I had that Ram Gopal Varma had produced Dilsey. You produced it, yeah. And I said directed instead, and yeah. people people let me know oh, yeah. that I was wrong. That's one. Yeah. It was a slip of the tongue. It was an accident. It but, That's one thing about Bollywood fans. <laughs> I especially find that on YouTube comment section, mm-hmm. which. Is a very dangerous place. Vicious. Um, yeah. Bollywood fans will like massacre you yeah. when it, if you make a mistake or if you get a fat wrong. Yeah, I will say that our Matt, fans are great. Yeah, Matt and I, we are very lucky. Uh, so to all of our listeners who are listening currently, thank like, you we, for not killing us. Yeah, we really <laughs> appreciate the feedback we get, um, and when we get thing, things wrong, people always. Um, are really kind about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just like, oh, by the way, like there yeah. was an error here. You pronounced that wrong. Yeah. Or, um, but enjoyed listening to the show, and we we really appreciate that because we're we're still figuring this out. Oh, for sure. And we just like watching movies and talking about them. There's so many so. names. There's so many films. It's yeah. it's normal yeah. to get something wrong. I I I do that on my show, and if I catch myself doing it, I will be like, hey, so mm-hmm. correction, so and so was yeah. actually so and so. Yeah. But sometimes it's 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 hard to catch everything. Exactly. Exactly. And you can only you can only do your best. I don't want to generalize, Piyush, but a lot of people that we've spoken to here in Canada, a lot of Indians, um, a lot of men are eyes, mm-hmm. they seem somewhat embarrassed by Bollywood. We've had people kind of, you know, assume that we're, 
like aren't serious about the fact that we actually like these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've I've had people say like, oh, I just thought your interest in Bollywood was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, oh, you actually you actually like the movies, and you know, we'll mention how much we love a film like Om Shanti Om and. Mm-hmm. Um, we're told, oh, that's not a very good movie. And it's just like, well, we think it's an excellent film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested in in kind of um, what it is about Bollywood that you really enjoy, that you've been attracted to, that you have embraced, as opposed to other people we've spoken to who have really rejected aspects of Bollywood because it's cheesy or formulaic or right. melodramatic. All elements of Bollywood that Matt and I really enjoy – but also, not all the movies are like that. There's some very serious stuff right. in Hollywood, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's tough to generalize that. So my take on this is, I can understand where these people are coming from, but I find, like in my experiences, a lot of the people, or like even a lot of my family members or my cousins, uh, when I tell them, oh, I play Hindi music on my show, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you listen to that stuff? And yeah. I'm like, not just listen to it, I love it. And... The problem is with a lot of, I would say, NRIs who maybe don't follow Hindi cinema Mm -hmm. as much as we do, they have a very outdated version of what Bollywood is. Yes, that's the impression I've gotten. So when you mention that, oh, you know, I watch Bollywood movies and I love it, their, their, their mind automatically goes to like maybe the last time they were into Hindi movies. So maybe... From like, you know, especially if it's an older person, it might be like 70s or 80s. So they feel that Bollywood is still like that, Mm -hmm. which is not entirely true. So when I think of Bollywood or Hindi cinema or Indian cinema in general, like I tend to think of like masala films. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, masala films is, it's pure entertainment. It has a little bit of everything. And... So I love masala films, don't get me wrong, but I tend to also focus on a lot of smaller, like independent films. Mm-hmm. See, independent independent films is probably not the right description for it. They're not really indie films. They're mm-hmm. like nowadays they're backed by very big studios. In terms of the subject matter, I would say I like dramas. I yeah. like films set in a small town where, like you know, maybe I don't understand. The dialect or you know maybe i have to read the subtitles yeah there's a word that's starting to be used and i believe it's called mindies which are like a medium hindi indies oh okay um and it's used to describe films like queen right um you know the- excellent film by the way yeah yeah so they recently did a um a series at the BFI South Bank in London because mm-hmm. um, they're doing a whole. Um, it's a whole year of Indian. Yeah, films, they're doing right? a whole year yeah. of um, kind of a celebration of Indian cinema, right. and so they did this one program on just contemporary um, Mindies. <laughs> so um, and so they showed Queen yeah. and like Ram and Raghav, and the idea was um, that you know there's a lot of of really interesting films coming out of the Hindi film industry that aren't kind of like the big masala blockbusters that people are used to, they're not quite indie films. They're in this kind of in-between space. These stories kind of about people coming out from, you know, auteurs with big stars. Yeah, right. This was a space that existed in Hollywood up until, what, the 90s? Like, yeah. you would have smaller, like a Walter Hill movie or something, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a small crime movie, it had a small budget, and it's designed to do 
you know, a little bit of business. It's not right. it's not a tent pole, but they kind of moved away from it in Hollywood. And I, that's well, and like I, Steven Soderbergh, like yeah. he's the perfect example of a director who's often working in this space. But that's something I really like about Indian films is that those films still work. There. There's a genre. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like its own genre. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, a lot of people don't know this, but even like in the 70s and 80s, they had... They, they used to call it parallel cinema. Mm-hmm. So you would have these big blockbusters with Amitabh Bachchan and Dharmendra, but they would have these smaller films with like Nasruddin Shah, Shabana mm-hmm. Azmi, Ompuri, that were about like serious topics that has to deal with Indian society. But obviously those films don't get as popular as, you know, your Devar or yeah. your big blockbusters. So the thing is, and this, there's a perception that there's boring. That they're right, boring. right. Yeah. So the thing is, this genre not, I've seen always existed. It's just people tend to just focus on the blockbusters. There is a tendency, even there's a lot of Indian people who think that Bollywood, Bollywood is all about song and dance. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they're embarrassed because they feel like it's such a narrow... Uh, well, it's like watching, it's like watching the you like Broadway show tunes. That's yeah. That's your big thing when you know. No, that's you, you could do like theater, and one part of it is Broadway show tunes. <laughs> right. It's like the difference between people who say they like movies and people who say they like cinema. Yes, <laughs> cinema. So that's or, my yeah comics and graphic novels. Yeah, that's my take on that yeah. question. Um, I went through a phase where I was embarrassed about. Hindi cinema because I came from India and I was trying like I started high school here mm-hmm. my first day at it's Edmonton a very Public High School awkward time I had to learn how to skate like on <laughs> ice and I'd never seen ice before I didn't but that's a story for another time <laughs> it has to do it has to do with a chair hmm. and me sitting on it and apparently that's not what I was supposed to do in an ice rink we'll talk about it some yeah. other time yeah. um so I was trying really hard to adapt to the mm-hmm. Canadian culture, mm-hmm. and I felt like me keeping in touch with like Bollywood films and music, which I always loved, was kind of hampering with my progress. Mm, yeah. So when people used to ask me, oh, do you watch Hindi movies? I'm like, no. Like, why would I do that? So I went through that phase myself, and then, you know, I grew, and films changed, yeah. and I always liked interesting films Mm -hmm. like don't get me wrong I would love to like I love watching Karan Johar films Uh, but to me the films that always like the films that I found interesting was like like Mani Ratnam Mm -hmm. uh, Vishal Bharadwaj interesting films that no one else is doing yeah yeah and and directors who are I think really pushing the envelope both in regards to narratives and aesthetics uh, in in Bollywood Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes underappreciated, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I forgot to mention Anurag Kashyap. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. he was he was very influential in kind of spreading this genre, mm-hmm. as it were, and as a producer too with uh, right. Phantom, yeah, right. And even some of the actors that he would hire, they, they are you know like undervalued. Like some of the actors that he always picks in his movies, I love their work, but no one knows about them because mm-hmm. everyone knows about the the hero and the heroine. Right. No one's no no one knows about the supporting cast. Yeah. Uh, Nawazuddin. Nawazuddin Siddiqui. Well, that's one great thing about Gangs of Wasi Pure is you're seeing kind of like that's a huge cast. Yeah. And you're seeing so many 
um, members of that cast going on to do a lot right. bigger stuff lately. Yeah. Right. It's really, it's really exciting. Yeah. Naj Bajpayee, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If you ask... If you ask a Bollywood fan to name any of that supporting cast, not like let's just take let's just take Gangs of Vasapur. Yeah. Like they probably wouldn't be able they've probably seen them in other movies, but they probably wouldn't know their name because they don't get the credit that they deserve. Right. Uh, they everyone knows the the main cast, but I feel like we can do like a whole podcast <laughs> on just like supporting cast of Bollywood and how they should get their credit. Yeah. Where Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vijay Raz, who, uh, I don't know if you uh, know, uh, you, you've, you've definitely seen him in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is one of the best actors in Bollywood, but a lot of people don't know Hmm. Know him. Mm-hmm. I'll have to uh, look him up at the break, I think. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have seen. If yeah. you see, if you if you saw Belly Belly, I we haven't seen, seen that one. That's okay. one we've missed so far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's done a lot of films. We'll cool. come back to Vijay Raz. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's there's some really interesting um, kind of like BuzzFeed articles where Nawazuddin Siddiqui talks about like what it was like being a junior artist, an extra yeah. in the industry, and now what it's like as a leading man because he's yeah. really made that transition from being just like. And nobody in background shots yeah. to being in supporting roles to being a lead. Yeah. And, and well-deserving because he's, he's the best. Yes. So, Piyush, tell us, why did you want to talk about Manny Ratnam for your episode, for your first guest appearance? Definitely. So, like I just mentioned earlier, uh, Manny Ratnam, along with Vishal Bharadwaj, are two of my favorite directors when it comes to Hindi cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny Ratnam... Uh, I chose Money Ratnam for the first uh, podcast is because um, definitely he goes he goes farther back than Vishal Bharadwaj. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Money Ratnam was making films in South India long before he made his debut in Bollywood. So Money Ratnam made a terrorist trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made three films. He started with Roja, then he made Bombay. And then the last one is Dilse, which we're going to talk about this podcast. Mm-hmm. And Mani Ratnam used to work with A.R. Rahman, who would compose music. He actually composed music for the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. And Roja and, was the first film he worked with Ratman on, I believe. And also, Mani Ratnam works with Gozar, who is mm-hmm. a lyricist, who I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my DJ name at... CJSR is Gulzar <laughs> because like he like he's a role model more than a role model this man is in his 70s and if there's one person I respect in Bollywood like so in Indian culture when you like when you when you meet an older person like your grandma or your grandpa yeah. you would like touch their feet for yeah. blessings if I ever met Gulzar I would love to <laughs> but if I ever did that like I would touch his feet mm. because of the respect I have for him and the amazing work yeah. he's done. So Gozar did the music. He wrote the lyrics for all three films. Uh, they'll say also is perhaps the best soundtrack in Hindi cinema, mm. in my opinion. It's pretty great. Right. So that's why I chose Mani Ratnam. And he's still making great cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also going to talk about Ravan, which is one of his more recent mm-hmm. films. And I'm always interested in what he's up to. Yeah. So Mani Ratnam, along with Vishal Bharadwaj, definitely some of the best 
indie directors as far as I'm concerned. Cool. A bit more background on Ratnam. He so he's predominantly works in the Tamil film industry. He is South Indian. He, and he's credited with revolutionizing uh, Tamil cinema, um, partly because his films uh, are known for the sociopolitical plot lines and themes, as well as uh, realism and a focus on uh, modern urban India. So I would say, like, we don't see the realism in all of the films, and I wouldn't say that we see it in um, Dilse and Ravan. But one of his recent successes, uh, O Kadal comedy or okay comedy as i know many people call it um mm-hmm. that very much is that kind of um realist mode it was remade in bollywood as okay john it was a terrible film much but le- much less uh, good but <laughs> yeah it, it, it does have that uh, video game aspect um the the guy works at a video game studio very yeah. modern um economy that you know it's focusing on yeah. well you put arjun kapoor in any film and it is just bad times, mm-hmm. in my opinion. <laughs> uh, it's not Arjun Kapoor. It's Aditya Roy Kapoor in OK Janu. Oh, <laughs> even worse. That's a lot of that. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Aditya Roy Kapoor. People like him for some reason. Uh, he's handsome, but... Uh, he is. Uh, he's got that going. He can act, though. Um, his uh, first film was uh, 1983's Palvi Anu Palvi, and it is a Canada film. So some other notable films by Manny Ratnam include... Muna Ragam, Nayagan, Anjali, Roja, which is the first of the terrorist trilogy, mm-hmm. and Bombay and uh, Dilse. Uh, Kanathil Muna Mittal, O Kandal Kanmani, which we just talked about. Githanjali, which is a Telugu film, and Yuva and Guru, which also have uh, Abhi, uh, Abhishek Bakchan and Ashwarya Rai, which are Hindi films. Uh, no, she's just in... Ashwarya Rai is only in Guru. Oh. Abhishek Bakchan is in both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, kind of a muse for uh, Ratnam is uh, Abhishek Bachchan, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, strange choice for a muse. He has six National Film Awards and four Filmfare Awards. Pretty impressive uh, resume. Yeah, he is highly acclaimed. Totally um, deserved all those awards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he's a, and he's a critic's favorite. Um, both in India and internationally, some of his films have ended up on very prestigious lists for you know, the, some of the best movies ever made in the entire world. Um, and he's, he's quite a following, especially in the, in the UK with critics there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe that brings us to Interval. We are going to be playing a song sample from Dilse and Piyush, as you're, you're the music man. Right. Uh, so you get to introduce this. So we're going to play 30 seconds of Chaya Chaya, the iconic, perhaps the most iconic song in Hindi, Hindi cinema as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone knows it as the train song. The mm-hmm. song that was shot on the train and it, it it's the first song in the film and it's one of the most popular tracks in Hindi cinema. Um, one thing I forgot to mention was one of the reasons why I also picked Mani Ratnam was because of the music, especially mm-hmm. Dilse. Uh, Dilse has some amazing music shot beautifully by Santosh Sivan, who is the cinematographer for Dilse, and I'm a big fan of Santos Sivan as well, and we'll talk more about him a little bit later on. And Farrah Khan for uh, choreography, right? Farrah Khan for yeah. choreography, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Chaya Chaya, you play the first 30 seconds, and everyone knows what, what song <laughs> it is, so let's play Chaya Chaya.
ATB Financial is the founding sponsor of the Alberta Podcast Network, and they are a great financial institution located here in our home province of Alberta. This week, I'd like to highlight a feature on their website you might not be familiar with, ATB Cares. Every year, ATB sets aside $200,000 to match 15% of every dollar donated to Alberta-based charities. So if you're planning on donating to a charity like Disaster Aid Canada to help with the devastation caused by the wildfires in British Columbia this year, why not check out ATB Cares to make sure your dollars go further? For more information on ATB Financial and all of its programs and charitable efforts, check out atb.com slash listen. The Alberta Podcast Network is an initiative to bring together podcasts from our home province of Alberta. Currently, there are 15 podcasts on the network covering a variety of topics and issues. One of our feature films this episode is Ravan, an intense revenge thriller where we see our hero and villain face off in an epic fight atop an old mountain bridge. This scene reminded me of one of my fellow network podcasts, High Level Showdown, named after the iconic bridge in the heart of our base city, Edmonton. In High Level Showdown, hosts Elliot Tonti and Michael Vecchio debate the latest stories in civic, provincial, national, and international politics and cut through the spin to bring their audience some insight on exactly what is going on in Canadian politics. You can find the High Level Showdown on iTunes and other podcatchers. To find out more about the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and the member podcasts, go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. So that was a sample from Chaya Chaya from the film Dilse. And uh, Piyush, you wanted to talk a little bit about that song and that uh, dance sequence. Yes. So Chaya Chaya, which is sung by Sukhwinder Singh, who I'm a big fan of, he has one of the most iconic voices in in in, in Hindi music. I, I can tell right away this is Sequinder Singh singing mm-hmm. it. And I wish he was more popular uh, in terms of like awards, but he's amazing. He has a very he has a very uh, iconic voice and mm-hmm. he sings this song and the lyrics, like if you understand Hindi or Urdu, uh, it's actually based the the song is uh, based on a uh, piece of poetry hmm. by uh, Bule Shah and it's I believe it's in Urdu mm-hmm. so some of the words Hindi and Urdu are similar mm-hmm. but some of the some of the words in Urdu they're very poetic uh, it's almost like you know your regular English as opposed to Shakespearean English yeah, sh- yeah. Yeah. so but if you if you if you have time and if you look up the English translation of the song it's some of the most beautiful Mm-hmm. lines that I've heard yeah. in uh, Hindi music and the fact that A.R. Rahman composed the music and it's sung by Sukhwinder Singh is just it's just divine and it's kind of like an ode to um, the woman of his dreams walking places right? There's a lot of references to how beautiful she is mm-hmm. the woman of her dreams and how he would give up everything for her yeah. and how like he would he prays for her so it's very it's very poetic, and uh, I did a Gulzar special on CJSR not too long ago, and that's when I found out yeah. about some of the lines, mm. which I had to look up as well because I speak Hindi, I understand Hindi, but some of the words I had to look them up. Yeah. But that, that's Chaya Chaya. I mean, 
Spike Lee used Chaya Chaya as the opening music for Inside Man. Oh right, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I went to go see that in the theater, and the movie started, and then you know those first 30 seconds, yeah. and I'm like. Am I in the right theater? <laughs> yeah. I thought I'm watching a Spike Lee film. Apparently, a film student showed him Chaya Chaya, and okay. he really liked it. Nice. And he decided to use it as opening music for Inside Man. Nice. But yeah, that was uh, Chaya Chaya. There were uh, pretty good subtitles in this on iTunes. Which yeah. We uh, we downloaded it. It was. It was only a dollar more to buy the movie than to rent. So I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah it's deal. six bucks Canadian right now to yeah. buy Dilse uh, on iTunes yeah. in high definition. We oh, highly wow. recommend it. And the, the lyrics kind of reminded me a bit of the the Shakespearean sonnet about uh, my lady, she walks on the ground. Mm. Showing that, like, you know, um, even though he's composing these huge sonnets of love to uh, a woman, she's still a grounded person. And that's kind of what this reminded me of, too. That's right. I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Dilse... Um, from the heart. Yeah. So as some listeners are aware, this is the very first volume of my ever saw. Right. I saw it in uh, Film Studies 201 a good, like, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and this opening sequence blew my mind. Yeah. This shot, sorry, this song I thought was, like, the most beautiful thing I had ever heard. Um, and I hadn't seen the film since, so when we sat down to, well, for Matt to watch it for the first time and for me to rewatch it, it just took me, like, that that opening sequence in the, in the train station, and then this song just took me back to, like, this first experience of discovering Bollywood. Right. Um, and just kind of how elated I felt by, th- and how beautiful everything was, and I was really thankful that this time around... We had subtitles for the songs because the very first time I saw it, there weren't no subtitles right. for the songs. So you were still in awe, and you're still in <laughs> awe, but now you have a better understanding of the of the lyrics, maybe. Yeah. In the context. yeah. And right. eleven years ago, I was told by my professor at the time, this was like they don't really translate the songs for people, and now they do. So I'm right. I'm glad that that's that transition. Uh, has been made because um, we don't speak Hindi, but we are interested in what they're singing about because it does kind of it's a it reflects back to the whole film. Yeah. You know, if you don't know what you're singing, they're singing about, you can't really kind of you're missing on a part of the film, an experience of the film. Yeah. So, so just some general information about the film: stars the fantastic Shah Rukh Khan, uh, Manisha Korala, uh, Pretty Zinta in her debut. That's right. And, and a, a debut. Yeah, that's yes. a pretty good movie to start off yeah. on. And a cameo by uh, Malika Aurora. And that is in Chaya Chaya. Yes. yes. Yeah. And um, as Piyush alluded to, A.R. Rahman did the music, cinematography by Santosh Sivan, and choreography, choreography by Farah Khan. This is the third in uh, Manny Ratnam's uh, terrorism trilogy after Roja and Bombay. And it takes place in northeast India... It's kind of an insurgent period in the history of the of the country, and also takes place during the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of uh, India's um, decolonization, which is interesting considering we're watching it 20 years later. That's right. And at the time of this podcast, India just turned 70. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting as mm-hmm. well. You when picked I was, a good time for when it. I was uh, writing some notes for this podcast, I'm like, yeah, because the climax of the film takes place during the 50th. Uh, birthday, uh, 26 January, which is India's Republic Day, yeah. and that's when uh, that's where the film was shot uh, at the end of it. We were wondering about that because 
you know, it's either that or they had a huge budget. Because there was, like, nukes going by in this parade. Like, they got access to that, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I believe it was actually shot on location. Because, yeah, yeah like, they had, they had, like, various scenes from the parades. And it was actually... So the parade takes place uh, in Delhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where it was shot. So, it, so I'm pretty sure they probably got access yeah. to shooting it on location. It didn't seem like stock day. footage or news footage. That's or right. It's like yeah. they were there. So, like... I, that has to just be Shah Khan's level of fame. If he can get access to, <laughs> yeah. you know, the 50th anniversary of the country as, as a whole. Like, yeah. that, that's fantastic. It, well, know, I he, mean, he had Modi show up exactly. in uh, Happy New Year. So <laughs> he's, got some, uh, he's got some contacts with the government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the movie kind of received a negative response in India, but was successful overseas. It was the first Indian film to enter the top ten in the UK box office charts. Yeah, they loved it. They're going to continue to play for months. So it was still in theaters in London two months later, playing mm-hmm. several times a day. And like a lot of people went out to see it. It was a much bigger success overseas, especially in the UK, than it was in And India. I feel like, given the subject matter, it could be kind of politically contentious, this movie. Depending right. on your opinion of uh, the insurgency happening in Northeast India, you might really be opposed to the film. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely think that was probably one of the reasons why it didn't do well mm-hmm. at the box office, because of the political yeah. mm-hmm. angle. And I think when this movie came out, I think there were some tensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's one of the other things I like about Mani Ratnam. He doesn't shy away from uh, from controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he shows his perspective. Yeah. And um, yeah, they'll say even uh, Roja uh, deals with terrorism, mm-hmm. and Bombay deals with the riots that happened uh, in India between the Hindus and the Muslims. Yeah. Uh, I believe back in like 1992, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But um, also, if we're taking, if we're talking stats, uh, Chaya Chaya. Uh, apparently, BBC did a poll of like the top ten most iconic songs mm. of all time. I don't know like what what their criteria was because there's so much music out there. How yeah. do you, but any but also the BBC does a lot of polls. That's true, yeah, <laughs> and but, a lot of lists. But according, I read this on Wikipedia, and I think I read it on IMDb as well. Mm. That Chaya Chaya was like in the top ten. I forget mm-hmm. what number wow. it was. So definitely very iconic song, oh, yeah. and yeah. rightly so, uh, from the way it was filmed on a train, like we talked about, along with the music, the poetry. Yeah. So Quinder Singh singing it, but that's enough about so me reading about Chaya Chaya. <laughs> the film won uh, six film for awards, including Best Newcomer for Preeti Zinta, Best Lyrics for Gozar, Best Music for A.R. Rahman, uh, Best Playback Singer, Male, mm-hmm. um, and Best Choreography for Farrakhan, and Best Cinematography, all things that are well worth praising about this film. And it was nominated for um, Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. So the, the plot of the film... Uh, centers around uh, Shahrukh Khan, who is a radio programmer for All India Radio, and he goes to the Northeast to do some some field work, um, and also to kind of look into the terrorism that is happening in the area. And so he actually is able to interview some of the terrorists on his way to the Northeast. He encounters a mysterious woman at the train station and this woman captivates his heart 
Um, and he kind of dedicates um, the period of time that he is uh, kind of um, away from Delhi to following her around. <laughs> Maybe uh, a little bit creepily. Yeah, I think uh, I would call it stalking. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's pretty much outright stalking. And that's a that's a common theme in <laughs> Hindi cinema. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a it's almost like a trope uh, that was used. They still do, mm-hmm. and we can talk about it at length at some other time. But yeah, I call it stalking. Yeah, yeah um, it's it's it's, it's a little over enthusiastic. That's right, but like. Using subterfuge to figure out her phone number and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. This woman is played by uh, Manisha Korala. And um, she she's attracted to Shah Rukh Khan and, and, and clearly develops feelings for him. But she has a deep secret uh, that uh, is more important to her. She's a secret mission that is more important to her uh, than any romance with some kind of radio guy. Um, so the film, the first half of the film takes place in the Northeast, and then the second half we are in Delhi. Shah Rukh Khan believes that he has lost this love of his life, and so he agrees to marry Preeti Zinta, but then she comes back in and really shakes things up with that alluded to secret mission that she has. Um, I don't know if we can properly talk about this film without kind of giving away that end of the first act spoiler. That's right. Um, so if you haven't, although it is telegraphed pretty early on in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of allusions um, to it in her conversation. Yeah, so if you haven't seen the film and you're concerned about spoilers, again, it's $6 Canadian on iTunes right now. Highly also, recommend it's 20 it. years old, so, you know, get on it. So she is, um, she's, a, she's a suicide bomber and she is working with a group that is intending to uh, blow bomb up the parade. The, yeah. yeah, to bomb the parade um, celebrating uh, 50 years of India's independence. When I first saw this film at the tender age of 19, it blew my mind to see such a sympathetic and empathetic and nuanced portrayal of terrorism did and you, suicide uh, bombing. Did I, you see it coming? Because I called it. Within, within an hour, I knew, like... Oh, um, she's a suicide bomber. That's why she's keeping him at arm's length. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Um, for, for a number of reasons. One is I'm not, like, a crazy, um, like, twist um, figuring out savant like you are. Yeah. Matt has figured out the mm-hmm. twists of movies that I'm just like, how did yeah, you see yeah, that yeah, coming? Yeah. Um, Talash is the one, for anyone who's seen Talash. Yeah. I, like... T- 30 minutes in, you figured out the twist of that movie, and I yeah, still don't know I, how you did it. I didn't it. see that coming either. Yeah. No one was talking to her. <laughs> Only Amir Khan was seeing her. It's, it's, a, it's a real you know, Sixth Sense type thing. Um, and also, it was the first Bollywood movie I'd ever seen, so I wasn't kind of... You weren't you weren't primed for the mid-movie twist. Yeah, I wasn't primed for it, and I think I was more focused on, like, this is like a, this is the most unique thing I've ever seen. Right, <laughs> like, I'd yeah. never seen anything like it. Um, and, man, I am... Thrilled to say that this movie holds up to my memory. This is this is one hell of a movie. Yeah, it's great. So I saw this movie when I was a lot younger. Mm-hmm. So I do remember watching this movie, but I definitely didn't appreciate it till I got older mm-hmm. and I uh, learned more about the Indian history. And um, so I definitely have a better pre- appreciation for it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Mani Ratnam, when he made this film, like we talked about, it was during the 50th year of India's independence. And, you know, there's parts in the film, especially in the first half, when Shah Rukh Khan is interviewing, uh, you know, people from these, mm-hmm. like, remote parts mm-hmm. of India. Yeah. His question is, 
what do you think of India's independence and India celebrating 50 years of independence? And most of the responses, and it was, I found it, uh, I found it interesting because he needed a translator because yeah. there's so many different languages right. in India. He didn't speak the language, but most of the people were like, "What's the what independence? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are still treated yeah. like we don't even belong to parts belong to India because they they make up such a small portion. Yeah. Like you know, they're not a vote bank as as one of the uh, peop- as someone puts it in the film. It's the leader of the group, yeah. He's right. Like, you know, Delhi. They don't care about us. Mm-hmm. And that is very true. Like, you know, when people think of India, they think of M- uh, Mumbai, Delhi. People don't care about Assam and Nagaland and mm-hmm. yeah. all these remote regions where who knows how these people are living. So, you know, it's it was back in, like, when India was celebrating 50 years, but that question still resonates. Yes, India is independent, but what have we achieved since then? Yeah. So... I, I I thought that was that's that, that was a very good uh, issue that was raised in Dose mm-hmm. and, um, and is this something that comes up in Ratnam a lot that uh, in, in Ravan it's tribals I got yeah, quotation marks definitely, on that definitely like, yeah that he's he's more focused on the not the downtrodden but people who don't get to be in movies that often right. Yeah, and that's where you're getting kind of that piece that I was talking about earlier about kind of the the realism and the lives of kind of um, modern modern India, and so like there's there's um, he he does he is interested in kind of the the urban environment that you see in these two films that actually he's he's, he's also at rural interested in too. yeah in, things in, that aren't generally in films yeah. right yeah. like even like you know uh, when was the last time in a Hindi movie you saw. Uh, you know, indigenous people from remote parts of yeah. uh, India speaking their language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Newton is the last one, and that's that's, that's an indie film that right. I saw at the film fest. So yeah. they, 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 like, you know, small parts of India, they do not get representation when it comes to Bollywood or Hindi cinema. And that's the question that, one of the questions that Mani Ratnam is trying to raise with, they'll mm-hmm. say, is that, what about other parts of India? Yeah. And what have we achieved with them? Everyone talks... Everyone wants to talk about shining India, quotation marks. Yeah. Because there's this tendency to be like, oh, look, we have our GDP is so-and-so and it's doubling. Mm-hmm. But what about other problems like poverty and uh, all the other issues yeah. that come with economic growth? No one wants to talk about that. Everyone wants, just wants to talk about how India is doing so well economically. Yeah. and the- That's a number you can point at, whereas... How does this person's life, is it better in the 70 years since exactly. uh, the British rule? Yeah. and you know, the, They're still just doing the same thing. Yeah. The juxtaposition that you have with Shah Khan's character and with Karola's character um, really kind of makes that evident and really strikes that chord because mm-hmm. he's, he's from modern India. Right. He has benefited from independence. That's right. And all of the ways that India has modernized. Mm-hmm. She hasn't. She terrible things have right. happened to her, yeah. and so she feels no connection to this national state um, because her her life has been deeply traumatic. That's right. Um, and so, from a young age, she's been told, you know, we're being denied our independence, and she's going to fight for it. And Shah Rukh Khan doesn't understand this. And I don't think he ever does. He no, never does. Not even, until like the last thirty she, seconds. Maybe. Even when she explains it yeah. to him, um, and and we 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 see a harrowing flashback, uh, he still yeah. he still doesn't get it. 
I think the film gets it. Yeah. And I like how the film shows kind of these these two people and their complete inability to connect on this this important level of right. kind of their nationality. Because uh, because Shah Khan is still saying, just leave all of this. <laughs> yeah. Come stay with me. Somehow that is supposed to solve all her problems yeah. and her past trauma. Yeah. And uh, that that scene at the end where they're having that exchange about Manisha Koirala uh, telling him what happened to her and then the camera is spinning yeah. round and around so you almost feel dizzy yep. yeah. taking these two extremes into account and it was really well shot scene oh, yeah. like you totally understand where Manisha Koirala is coming from mm-hmm. and that makes you think there's a there's a scene at the end when Manisha Koirala is uh, showing us the viewers what she went through yeah. there's a scene where all these little boys and girls are being trained mm-hmm. right yeah so it makes you wonder like these suicide bombers even to this day what motivates them to mm-hmm. do what they do yeah it's they they take them at a very early age and almost brainwash them mm-hmm. yeah. and be like, look what happened to you. Yeah. Do you want a different outcome? As a 12-year-old, of course you do. Well, and if you're trained to be a martyr, That's you right. know, you're going to, you are going to believe that and believe that that is your fate and your purpose. Right when Manisha Koirala is about to set herself off, mm. uh, her and this other guy from their group are having a conversation and the guy says, you look, you're, you're most beautiful when you're about to martyr yourself right. for the country. Yeah. So imagine hearing those things like that when you're 12 and 13. That gets in your head. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it is brainwashing. So I thought that was very powerful, mm-hmm. how it shows how they become the people they become. It just doesn't, like, you don't just wake up one day and decide to become a suicide bomber there's yeah. years and years of, of brainwashing uh, so that was very interesting what did you think of the portrayal of being on radio uh, in this movie yeah. because he's very like it's he's doing like a radio drama essentially about his life which is not what I figured all India radio would be like I figured it would be more like like a BBC broadcast or something but it, it's like a radio play about Khan, <laughs> which I have a feeling it's probably not what the station you would assume is like. Right. So it's funny that you bring this up because I did take notes about this too. Because <laughs> yeah. when I saw him at the station, it reminded me of CJSR and yeah. how I am in the radio booth. And let's just put it this way. Shah Rukh Khan is a little too animated and yeah. a little too excited <laughs> about meeting Manisha Koirala yeah. and trying to locate her. The journalistic he, ethics there are really yeah, good enough. Yeah. I think, I think uh, uh, his love for Manisha Koirala uh, outweighs mm-hmm. what you should do on air as an on-air personality. <laughs> yeah. He has foil paper mimicking rain sounds. Yeah. He has... God knows what. He's, he's doing like little cups of tea. Right. Like, sploosh, sploosh. I mean, I, I appreciate his dedication to yeah. setting the, the mood, but it's a little over the top. I mean, would you hire him to work at a radio station? Because no. he's a little bit, he's a little bit scatterbrained and uh, maybe a little bit focused on, uh, you know, things apart from his job of interviewing people and mm-hmm. going to cultural festivals and hearing songs and stuff. That's what his job seems to be. That's right. But the few times you hear him on the radio, he's just talking about 
you know, this girl he met. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was first I thought it was sweet, but then he starts like stalking her yeah. and finding out what phone numbers uh, she's using. I'm like, nah, nah. yeah, this is like crossing the line. But I do, I, it did remind me of CJSR, hmm. and you have to be like, once I enter like the booth. It's like I get into the zone. I, I was left more with a question of like, what is All India Radio actually like? <laughs> right. Is it just this guy's live journal or what? <laughs> See, yeah, that's that's definitely a thing that you do for movies, right? Mm-hmm. From yeah. what I understand, All India Radio uh, did a lot of news programming. Um, I don't even know if... I think it might still exist under a different name, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, from what I understand... All India Radio is like a serious, mostly news hmm. station, but I could be wrong. Like a CBC, maybe. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the things that impresses me most about this film is how it pairs this um, this romantic thriller, this, uh, this love story, and this uh, larger commentary on terrorism with um, these, uh, these song sequences that are extremely gorgeous and poetic and how these two things kind of work throughout the film in tandem and never clash with one another it's it's really impressive and these song sequences are amazing yeah i think my favorite is the like the dilse song where they're they're kind of hiding from soldiers in a town right. that's being under mm-hmm. attack. And that's where Shah Rukh Khan does his lean and arms. He, he and behind him, there's, there's an explosion. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm getting very animated. See, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's also, like, kids running around and he's partying with those guys. And I like, think that was my favorite. The what was burning favorite? tires, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, rolling through the streets. My favorite is Satrangi Ray. Because of the way it's shot, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. They are singing in the desert. In snow-clad mountains, it's shot. Uh, it's also shot in Leh Ladakh, which mm-hmm. is uh, North India, like near Jammu and Kashmir, I believe. And one of the reasons why I really like this song is it foreshadows the climax. Uh, there's a line in the song where Shah Rukh Khan sings "Mujhe Maat Ki God Mein Sone De," mm-hmm. which means "Let me sleep." In the lap of death. Mm. Oh right! And yes. you know it's it's funny because if you're just enjoying the song, if you hear that lyrics, you wouldn't think twice about that line. Mm-hmm. But it then sounds like a Smith's line or something. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Eh? Morrissey would say something like that. Yeah. And right at the end, when there's an explosion, mm-hmm. that line is actually played right. in the background. Yeah. And, and I'm like, ah, right. <laughs> and also. Even Manisha Koirala, he she jokes about uh, blowing up, yeah. just jokingly in that the infatuation period uh, that they show. I think in the that's when I clicked onto it. Just like, okay, yeah. I think I know where this is Cause, going. Because uh, Shah Rukh Khan says like, "Oh, where are you gonna go?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna disappear." Yeah. And I'm like, "Wait a minute, right?" Yeah. So there's little uh, uh, foreshadowing going on, but this line from that song, I think, is the, the biggest one. Mm. Yeah. And the fa- the fact that they played it during. The climax just kind of adds right. to that. Yeah. So Satarangi Re for me uh, is my favorite. But yes. there's also one thing I noticed about all the songs is there's this fantasy element to I it. I was just going to say that because I was going to say there, with uh, Jaya Jale, right. it's so clear um, that that's 
Preeti Zinta's fantasy of the way that she, she sees Shower Khan in this film. Right, yeah. Um, and also, in terms of songs, so Jia Jale is definitely shot somewhere in South India. I want yeah. to see Kerala because you see a lot of greenery, you see mm-hmm. a lot of elephants. Preeti Zinta is wearing like a South Indian outfit, and so is uh, Shah Rukh Khan. Yeah. Uh, He's got the metal neck thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Satarangi Ray is more northern India, I want to say, because, you know, the deserts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the slow clad mountains I'm gonna assume that it's probably in Kashmir yeah. somewhere definitely there's scenes shot in Leh Ladakh it's a very beautiful place a lot of films mm-hmm. are shot there parts of Three Idiots were shot there yeah. as well so I like also that through music and the way they're shot there's representation of India two different parts of it right and is well, and the it, train is like, and the train connects well is Shah Rukh also like between these two women is he Kind of the soul of India between north and south. You could make that argument. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So through through these sounds, that could be rather than trying to negotiate fifty years of India as a country. Here's a here's a guy who's torn between north and south, mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. violence and uh, you know complacency. Right. And through these sound sequences, you see a larger portrait of the nation, and then you also have the train that connects everything together. Yep. And us in Canada, we understand how important trains are to <laughs> yep. to your, to we your go nation east, building. We go east and west on that, but we get it. Yeah. The other thing is the way I looked at uh, Shah Rukh Khan's relationship with uh, Manisha Koirala and Preeti Zinta is those are, those are his two options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene... A very powerful scene between uh, Shah Rukh Khan and Manisha Koirala where they're talking about things that they like about each other. Mm-hmm. And Shah Rukh Khan says, one thing I, li- I, I don't like about you are your eyes because I can never mm-hmm. see what's behind them. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, the one thing I like about you are your eyes <laughs> because I can't see anything behind them. Yeah. So Manisha Koirala represents a world that Shah Rukh Khan doesn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. He never because, will, too. Like Aaron mentioned earlier, um, Shah Rukh Khan comes from a different world. Yeah. He probably went to college, probably went to university, probably was well off. Yeah. And then His like, house is huge. Right. Yeah. It has multiple rooms where random people can come and stay, right? Yeah. Like Manisha Koirala does with her friend. Yeah. Uh, and Preeti Zinta, on the other hand, represents a world that he does understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Preeti Zinta and Shah Rukh Khan get along. Uh, Shah Rukh Khan's dad used to be in the, in the army. army. Yeah. I believe Preeti Zinta's dad was also an ex-army Something like officer. That, yeah. So it's it's a dilemma for him. Does he choose the world that he doesn't know anything about? Or does he choose the world that he knows somewhat about? Mm-hmm. And I think that was a very interesting juxtaposition between these two, two worlds. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to how you know, people think India is all about the big cities. So that's the India people know, as opposed to these remote regions that people don't anything about. Mm -hmm. So it's a choice that even Indians make. Mm -hmm. Every Indian has a choice that Shah Rukh Khan faces in that film. Mm -hmm. A lot of people choose to ignore the Manisha Koyala side of the world and just focus on the Prezidenta side of the world, the bigger cities. So I, I thought that was very... Interesting. Also, one thing I really liked was how when Shah Rukh Khan and Preeti meet, I think they're having burgers. I think they're having a burger. Yeah. yeah. And I really liked how Preeti was the one who asked him if he was a virgin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like the other way around. I thought that was pretty pre-revolutionary. 
to bring that up yeah. and have the reversal of roles, mm-hmm. as it were. And yeah, I thought that was that was well done. Crazy yeah. Zinta is so spunky. I wish uh, I wish she'd still be acting, kind of. I, I absolutely love her dimples. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Gia Jale is... <laughs> it's a sexy, sexy song yeah. sequence, guys. Watch the video. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's about wraps up our thoughts on Dulce. It's great. Go see it. Yeah, it's... I loved it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Out of the whole trilogy, if you were to start somewhere, um, I would go with uh, Dulce mm-hmm. just because it's more accessible than mm-hmm. Roja and Bombay. Um Bombay would be helpful if you knew a little bit about uh, the history of the riots that happened. Mm-hmm. But they'll say you can kind of walk, walk in without knowing anything and still kind of get something out of yeah. it. So I highly recommend they'll say. And yeah. I think that's partly because it's grounded with the love story. Like everyone understands like romance and a love triangle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then putting all these other elements on it. Um, and you might be spurred on to learn... Well, why is that part of the world that she grew up so yeah. oppressed? Yeah. Um, why does Pretty Zinta get uh, lettuce on her nose when she eats a burger? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It's a mystery. So another thing that really resonated with me about Dilse was this scene where Shah Rukh Khan is talking to a co-worker of his, and the co-worker finds out that Manisha Koyala is working at All India Radio, and obviously Shah Rukh Khan has a thing for her mm-hmm. and at the same time he's gonna get married to Priti Zinta. So the translator says this. He says, Do Which translates to don't put your don't put your feet in two different boats because you'll capsize and you won't belong mm-hmm. to either of them. And the reason why that really resonates with me, and I actually paused the film when I was watching it to write down that line, is because as an immigrant who came to Canada at 14, I felt like in trying to keep up with my Indian roots, you know, watching Hindi cinema, talking about it, mm-hmm. and at the same time adapting to the Canadian culture, I feel like sometimes my life is kind of like a balancing act between Mm. these two boats Mm -hmm. and it really stayed with me after the film there were a couple of lines uh that's that's that that line from Satyarangire and this exchange that these two had and yeah that was really well done Mm. and I related to it maybe that's partially why the film caught on for NRIs too Mm. is uh it, it appeals to that uh um feeling of being stuck in two different places. Right. And he's stuck and between two different women. Either. Yeah. It, yeah. Again, maybe they're symbolizing different parts of the country or, in fact, the world. Because mm-hmm. Pritchie's Zinch is coming from the more westernized, urbanized part right. of the world. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think you're, uh, I think that's true. So, uh, that brings us to Ravan, uh, another film by Manny Ratnam. Um, came out in 2010, stars Abhishek Bachchan, um, Ashwari Rai, Vikram, and Govinda. Uh, music by A.R. Raman, and cinematography by Santosh Sivan. This one is another play on the uh, abduction of Sita from the Ramayana, mm-hmm. which we last covered in Baghi, which <laughs> um, this movie is much better than Baghi. It comes up a lot. It, like, anytime a girl is abducted, it's very clearly, oh, 
we're back in, you know, mm-hmm. kind of replaying the Ramayana. Well, think about how often the story of Cain and Abel comes up yeah, in Hollywood films or something. It's, it's, it's like a classic tale yeah. that you can put uh, resonance on your modern day story yeah. on. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not criticizing the film for no, know, using this story. It, it's, just kind of, it's just kind of fun as, you know, we're coming from outsiders that once we know that story, so many movies make sense. Like, oh, they're, yeah. they're referencing this. Right. Although this one is very blatant about it, especially with Govinda's character. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they weren't being subtle at all. Yeah. yeah. But this had a kind of mixed reception critically, and it didn't really do too well at the box office. So um, I think people were surprised when we said that we were going to do an episode on Ratnam. That Ravan was one of the films yeah. that uh, we were going to discuss. Mm-hmm. So, why did you uh, choose this one specifically? So, in my opinion, Ravan got panned yeah. all across the board. Undeservedly? Yes. Hmm. And that's where, uh, that's, that's where, that's why I wanted to talk about this because uh, technically, in terms of cinematography, yeah. in terms of music, in terms of. Uh, some of the dialogues. Mm-hmm. This movie is amazing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It, this mu- movie is gorgeous to look at. Um, even everything from costume design mm-hmm. to production design, uh, it doesn't get better. Yeah. Uh, but I feel that the reason why it got pan was mainly because of Abhishek Bachchan. Yeah, it's Would the you thing know that holds the movie yeah. back. I. Right. Um, I gave this so every film that I ever watch, I record on Letterboxd, because mm-hmm. which is a social media app. Right, it's like Goodreads but for yeah. movies. Because um, right. it, and I should say that Matt keeps a master list on Letterboxd of every film we've ever talked about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think we're up to 122. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So uh, when we were finished this film, I was putting in my stars, and I was like, well, I would give it four, but I'm going to deduct half a star for Abhishek Bakshan's ridiculous performance, mm-hmm. which I just. He seems to be in another movie. Well, and that's what I wanted to yeah. talk about yeah. because a lot of people just stop there. Oh, mm-hmm. Abhishek Bachchan was terrible. That's why this movie is terrible. I don't. I don't think it's terrible. It's just a, made a choice. I agree. It's just choice. I do. Go broad and. It's a bit like you know when like Nicolas Cage goes like full Nicolas Cage. Yeah. It's a bit like that. I had no idea that Abhishek Bachchan could like go full Abhishek. But we were we were talking a bit earlier, and you think that there's potentially a link between this and The Dark Knight. That's right. Um, I remember reading about this film a lot when it came out because mm-hmm. actually I was in India mm-hmm. visiting India back in 2010 when this film was about to come out. And the music had already come out, and I really loved the soundtrack. Yeah. This was also another great soundtrack, courtesy of ARMON. Mm-hmm. Gozar, once again, is doing the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So, Mani Ratnam, Gozar, and ARMON, I, they're almost like a holy trinity. When they work together, yeah. the results are amazing, musically. And I remember there's a lot of hype behind this film, because Mani Ratnam is huge. Ashwara mm-hmm. Rai doesn't do a lot of movies. So she was in it, and everyone wanted to see how a real-life couple actually, how what the chemistry is like yeah. in the film. Like a real-life Jody. Like, how do they, how, how does it work? Right. They are in a surprising amount of movies together. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was in India, and I really liked the subject matter, like going back to Ramayana, and yeah. how it was supposed to, it was an adaptation of that. That storyline from... From the villain's point of view. Yeah. Right. Bira, yeah. who is 
uh, supposed to be the Ravan or yeah. the the demon or the Rakshas. It has multiple names in India depending on what part of India you go to. Yeah. So it's a very interesting subject matter, and the relationship between the Dark Knight and Ravan is that I was reading interviews around the time this movie came out, and apparently Abhishek Bachchan's character of Bira was supposed supposedly inspired by Heath Ledger's role as Joker oh, okay. in The Dark Knight. Yeah. And I don't know how in Indian me- when the movie comes out, Indian media sometimes makes up all kinds of stories to of uh, promote the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also read interviews or articles where uh, you know how Abhishek Bachchan to express his like craziness, he does this hand motion. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. So apparently, I don't know if this was done to kind of save the film, but I read that they were supposed to add some special effects where you can kind of see the ten heads yeah. of okay. Ravan, because Ravan in 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 Indian mythology is has ten heads, mm-hmm. yeah. and so. We were supposed to, because there are times where Abhishek Bachchan is having this internal debate. It's almost like he's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. Yeah. And the thing is, it doesn't translate well to the screen the way no, he did it. It doesn't. And I think that's where a lot of people lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could kind of do that effect of like stretching the image, and maybe there'd be like blurriness. Yeah, ten might be a stretch, but you could have like two or three heads. You could you could pull them apart a little bit and yeah. get that a little bit, but yeah, it it's it's a it's a distinctive choice that I'm glad that not all of the movies. Are <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a Shakespearean element to once you find out why he's going nuts and why he started up this whole campaign of killing a ton of cops. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you you can see why he's trying to get his revenge. It it does remind me a bit of. Uh, um, like a Korean revenge drama yeah. or or Shakespeare. The story takes place in a more rural part of India. And uh, Dev, played by Vikram, is a cop who's come in to pacify the region because it's kind of fallen under the spell of this uh, tribal leader named Bira, uh, who played by Abhishek Bachchan. And uh, Dev brings his wife along, Rajini, and true to the uh, Ramayana story, um, Bira steals Rajini away. I think her name is Ragini. Ragini? Yes. Okay. So Ragini uh, gets stolen by Bira, and we get the classic Rama chasing after um, his wife's story. Uh, Govinda shows up as a park ranger who, in his original scene, and actually this kind of gets dropped off by the, point, by the end of the movie, but like, he's getting drunk and flying around in the trees like a monkey would. And later on in the movie, he sits on top of a car instead of driving in the car. <laughs> but they kind of drop that eventually. But he's, he's the Hanuman character in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this is the story told from uh, Bira's point of view. So, bit of a spoiler, but we find out that the police force has definitely wronged his family. And this is part of his revenge. Yeah. And you do come on side with him because you don't get a lot of sense from Dev that he's like a nice person. Um, you don't really know much about why him and his wife got married. There's kind of a scene about her, why she likes him, but you don't really get a sense of, apart from that, like, mm-hmm. he's not a he's not a good dude. And he's torturing people and 
doing all kinds of shady shit to uh, try and find good old out. Bollywood police brutality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, in the classic mold of uh, the Bollywood police. This story is pretty simple, but what you get instead is. Really beautiful visuals. Oh my god, yes. And um, I would say the costumes, as you alluded to, the cinematography, the set design, the is music. all top rate. The music. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. But the story... The dancing. There's not a lot of dancing in this film, but the dancing that you do see is It's amazing. great. Yeah. I agree. It is just that Abhishek Bakchan performance that is kind of what holds it again. I agree. It's like it really for me. Is. Like I said earlier, I... Now, in hindsight, I can see what he was going for Mm -hmm. but it just didn't translate well I found it really annoying that in a lot of scenes when he's supposed to be angry his eyes would just open up and I'm like okay Mm -hmm. uh, where's this like you're angry. He's wearing so much eyeliner too. Right. So much uh, eyeliner. I think the whole uh, the whole crew was wearing a lot of eyeliner. Even his brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, eyeliner might be a a thing. Uh, also, I noticed how Abhishek Bachchan's hair was always on point. Like he he has a he has a buzz cut and it's always nice and short. Yeah. You know, uh, and it kind of reminds me of this TV show Lost. Mm-hmm. Where who's cutting their hair? Who's cutting their hair? They're yeah. stranded on an island, and I can't remember the main character's name in Lost, but his bus cut is always fresh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're there for months. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also the wettest film I've ever seen. Right. Yeah, like it is. It is moist. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Waterfalls, jungle moisture, rivers, um, tears, <laughs> tears. <laughs> yeah. It, easy. Wells. There, yeah, yes. a well. Someone falls down a well. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it is an extremely moist film. It's definitely worth a watch, I would say. But keep in mind that your mileage on Abhishek's uh, performance may go either way. Piyush, have you seen the Tamil version? Because Ratnam did kind of make this at the exact same time as mm-hmm. a Tamil version with a different cast. Well, Vikram is in it. Yeah, Vikram right. is in it. Yeah. Um, and it's a reversal of roles. Vikram, who plays yeah. the villain in Ravan, plays... Uh, the he- well, the hero, hero. villain, the hero, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the Tamil version. And so, to answer your question, Aaron, no, I haven't okay. seen it. I want to watch it because I've heard very good things about mm-hmm. the Tamil version and how Vikram does a lot better job as Bira than Abhishek Bachchan ever did, which I can believe, yeah, just by knowing uh, Abhishek Bachchan's acting in general yeah and uh vikram the only thing i didn't like in ravan was how stoic he was Mm. yeah there was no emotion to any of his lines maybe that's how he was supposed to portray that character yeah even when he rescued uh ragini uh rai there's always that that stoicness to his character yeah, yeah I, mean, I think it works though i he, think he's playing his cards choice. close to his vest yeah like there there's a few choices he makes in his pursuit that um i think if he was going over the top too it might it, it might not make sense that he's like being so quiet and playing a few people against each other but yeah he's a little bit boring in that case right. because he's just running through the jungle and not even getting really that mad that his men are dying. Or right. And in the beginning of the film, he gets a phone call about how his wife is kidnapped and he just has this like really deep sigh. Like, yeah. And that's it. Here we go again. Uh, Everything we know about him and his character 
Um, we learn from Ashraya Rai, and it's very clear that she has a kind of biased and potentially false understanding of the man that she's married, which I think they, they do that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashraya Rai is, she's amazing in this film. Right. I thought she was fantastic. She, she was very good in this film. Yeah. Um, also, so in terms of uh, recommending this movie, I think if you can get past Abhishek Bachchan's acting, mm-hmm. I think this is a very strong movie, yeah. and I wish people would give it another chance. Yeah, Govinda's fun. Um, uh, the action, once it kicks off, is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, once There's a couple battles in villages, and a lot of people falling off cliffs, which uh, also something that shows up in Boggy. So I think they might have uh, ripped that off a little bit for Boggy, in addition to doing the Ramayana story. In addition to ripping off the raid, <laughs> he also Fo- probably ripped this off, too. Following from heights is definitely a theme in this film, because yeah. we see uh, Ashwara Rai falling in slow motion yeah. in the first song, Bene Day, in her gorgeous yellow uh, uh, Salvar suit. Yeah. And just... Whoever did the costume design for this movie, especially Ashwara Rai's outfit, mm-hmm. yeah. did an amazing job. You have this lush green forest, and you see Ashwara Rai in this bright yellow outfit, and it's yeah. just the color palette is amazing mm-hmm. in this film. So, yeah, we see her falling uh, multiple times. We see uh, Bira's brother, who gets shot by Vikram, yeah. falling to his death. And then, obviously, at the end, we see Bira getting shot and falling. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not quite sure the symbolism behind that. Yeah. Uh, I definitely noticed it, mm-hmm. and it was definitely done in like slow motion. Um, what Do you guys have any uh, input? Well, I'm also that? thinking you also have to climb up the waterfall. Yeah, which is interesting because like so you're mostly going down, but then you at, at one they point climb up to, together. Yeah, mm-hmm. they climb up together, and so Bira and uh, uh, yeah, uh, Ragini. Whereas they're always falling solo. I mean, it could just be that like it looks cool. It, it looks, looks cool, cool yeah. but I think I think it is a, a, a larger motif, and there is also a fall in kind of the the tragedy that we're alluding to in Bira's past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will and say, so it might be in some ways. A repetition of that is yeah. kind of this this fall from a height um, and 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 the trauma that that signals. Not just falling, but Eshra Arai, for some reason, when she falls, like there's scenes where she gets caught in yeah. like the branches and like there's multiple shots. And mm-hmm. I always, I'm still curious as to like what like what was the. Maybe the jungle is holding on to her. Maybe she's looked, maybe she's suited for it. Beera it look, certainly thinks so. Yeah, it right. looked very cool. I, yeah. I love that sequence. And then the water scenes where um, it's very so beautiful shot. the whole shot. movie? <laughs> yeah, the whole movie. <laughs> My favorite scene is Beera fighting Dev on a bridge, which yeah. is overlooking this gigantic chasm. And, you know, they... I don't know if it's a model or just really good green screen or something, but that looked amazing. It did. It was amazing. I was surprised how how good it looked. Especially compared to a movie that came out this year, Rangoon, which also ends on a bridge. Right. And that looked a lot cheesier. Yeah. The one in Ravon looked fantastic. And right. I was actually worried about their safety because they looked like they're a thousand yeah. feet up in the air above a jungle. I thought Govinda jumping from 
tree to tree or like from the car to like some sort of like structure that looked pretty bad special effects wise yeah they're kind of just shaking a tree like oh he's up there now. Uh, yeah also Ezra yeah. Arai falling off kind of looked a little fake too because yeah like it but, looks like they blurred but, someone's face but the bridge scene yeah. looked amazing that I, I want to see in IMAX that yeah. looks so cool and yeah. this bridge scene is I think where the movie really like gains a lot of brownie points with me where I kind of start to really forgive it for a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. wasn't working for me beforehand because it's just it's this intense fight between these two men and you knew like you're you know that this film is kind of heading to this point mm-hmm. and then it reaches such a kind of um and it's it's not even the climax of the film because the climax comes later but it reaches such a kind of like triumphant aggression yeah and 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 just kind of how these two men's anger at one another is building um, and it's destroying this structure around them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so well done. Yeah, not only does Abhishek Bachchan set his part of the bridge on fire, but he also sets the other end of the bridge mm-hmm. on fire. So it's like, yeah, you come with me, we're going down together. Yeah. This is not a fun going down together. This is a, we're going to die together, you and I. Yeah. So I have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the pacing of this film? I almost thought that the scene where they fight on the bridge, I thought that was the end. Yes. Yeah. Like, I thought yeah. like it had a false ending. I'm like, oh, okay, the movie is done. Uh, Vikram It's a pretty good lost. twist, I think, of what happens after. Though. Right. Yeah. So, it, it like, the whole movie had a few pacing issues for me. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack was very jarring at points. Mm-hmm. Like, there was really loud... Like, the, I love I love the soundtrack, like, even the background score. I don't it's like just, the opening song. The it opening didn't work. Song. The opening song, you know, it's kind of got almost like a Bond opening where kind of cool things move around in a black background and you get the credits. But then the song is really upbeat. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would have liked a more menacing song. Right. Yeah, I think I think the movie does kind of take its time and I think the first act is far too long. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to start to get to the point and then in the end it feels simultaneously rushed and drawn out right. partly with because there's this 20 minutes after the bridge mm-hmm. where you're just like well, well what's this movie going to be about and that that is interesting right. um and that ultimate twist is is part of what i really appreciate about the film mm-hmm. but it it does feel like there's sections that are way too drawn out and other stuff that happens way too quickly so i, I do think the film has some pacing issues. However, I'm willing to forgive it for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not willing to forgive this, this Abhishek <laughs> Bakhtan performance. Yeah. But the pacing issues I am willing to forgive because I think, you know, the, the positive here far outweighs the negatives. Like, it's such a gorgeous film mm-hmm. to watch. And, it's, it, and it feels very cinematic. It feels mm-hmm. very poetic. It feels very primal. You know, again, like, even these these shots that we're discussing and we're like, well, what is this motif and what does that mean? Not every movie has that. Not every movie is framed in such a way that you could potentially hang a few interpretations Yeah, yeah, it it really is, you know, like poetry on screen and whether or not it's just because um, there's a concrete reason for certain um, ways of shooting things or just because it's the most kind of cinematic and poetic way to show it, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Ratnam's uh, POV shots. Yeah. He uses that fairly often. Um, he does do too much spinning in this movie. Though. There was a lot of spinning. Yeah. Too much spinning. I was actually getting a little bit dizzy. Yeah. Uh, if, if too much uh, spinning. One thing we haven't mentioned, and it's probably my second biggest complaint with this film, other than Abhishek Bachchan's uh, acting, mm-hmm. is, like you said, like the, I felt like the last 20 minutes, 
were kind of just tacked on. Yeah. So like the whole thing about uh, Vikram saving Ragini, uh, which stands for Ram saving Sita. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know about that. Like when they know about the abduction of uh, Sita by Ravan and how Ram goes and saves her uh, with the help of Hanuman, mm-hmm. which in this film is Govinda. What a lot of people don't know about how when Ram was back with Sita after rescuing her, Ram made Sita walk through a fire yeah. to show her purity. Mm-hmm. And there's more to this story, obviously. I'm just, it's almost like a Cold Notes version of the Ramayana. And uh, I feel like that is a very important aspect of the myth. Mm-hmm. But the way it was. Uh, executed in the film I think it was poorly done because they just had this small scene on the train where Vikram out of nowhere is just like take a polygraph test yeah take a lie detector yeah I, I think yeah. I think the the impact wasn't there for me because uh, the whole fire walking test is is very crucial in that that, that story mm-hmm. and how uh, the relationship between uh, men and women in in India and how the woman always has to kind of show her innocence mm-hmm. while uh, you could argue that okay Bira might have slept with Ragini but what about Vikram? <laughs> Vikram could have Vikram's purity doesn't matter. Right. So I felt like it was a very interesting like twist to introduce. I wish it was executed in a better way. Yeah, I think I think it needed to be more like The Searchers, um, mm-hmm. where you don't know if John Wayne is going to kill Natalie Wood when he finds her, or if he's going to save her. Yeah, you don't really and that's know. a tension that runs throughout The Searchers. Um, and so I think if you felt that way with Dev, because again, like the problem is his performance is so stoic, mm-hmm. but if you felt that way kind of like throughout the film with his character... I think that would have been a lot stronger instead of just kind of like and now oh my god they're having this conversation on a train and Ashwarya Rai is like mm-hmm. appalled right you know like that this that this this man who she adores and who she honestly believes is a good man is proving himself to be maybe not as much of a mm-hmm. good man yeah so yeah, yeah I, I agree the, the pacing is a problem but it's just so I've said this too many times but I'm gonna say it again it's just so goddamn beautiful yeah, yeah. Like, it's um, just so pretty I've seen a lot of Hindi films. Uh, I can safely say that Robin is one of the most beautiful films I've yeah. seen. Even uh, out of all of Santosh Stevens' uh, work, I think Robin is the most beautiful one. Yeah. Uh, he's done some amazing work. So some of you might not know, but Santosh Steven is also a actor and a director. <laughs> he made Ashoka with, oh, yeah. uh, with Shah Rukh Khan yeah. and Karina Kapoor. And not only did he direct that film, he was also the cinematographer for that film. And that film was also pan, but I really liked it. And Santosh Steven's cinematography was one of the big reasons why. Mm-hmm. And he also made, uh, he's also shot a lot of movies for Mani Ratnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mani Ratnam uh, and Santosh Steven, they're like a good team. Mm-hmm. And But yeah, Ravan. Beautiful, beautiful film. The song sequences were amazing. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is uh, 
the Kata Kata song when Bira's sister is getting married, mm-hmm. the lead up to that, and the way it's shot, and the whole at the end when they're all going to this temple, there's a there's a whole procession of people dancing on this bridge. Yeah, and it's just just beautifully done. That's one of the scenes you could see what Bira was like before he went crazy too. Right, because he he's also pretty stoic before, but yeah, there's a sense that um, the the dance kind of breaks into a room where he's just kind of hanging out. And you think that maybe he's going to get mad at them, but then he joins in too. Yeah. Like, he's kind of fun. You definitely see his playful side yeah. before the whole uh, situation with his sister yeah. when there was the scene where uh, his brother-in-law sneaks into right, the yeah. house and instead of getting mad at him, he gives him, he gives him a watch. A watch yeah. And they're afraid that he's going to cut off his hand. So I definitely think... Uh, you you get to see both aspects of Bira before and after what happened uh, yeah. to to his uh, sister. You don't really get anything like that for Dev, though. You need right for Dev. I feel like there was no character development. Yeah, yeah. they got one song between like you know Dev and Ragini to to kind show how much. But that's, but yeah. that's this, from Ragini's perspective. Right. That's yeah. her. Like she has those blinders up, and so you can't really. Trust the dev that you see. Right. In those, you in just see the guy sense. going through the uh, the jungle torturing people. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, where's my wife, who I seem to like? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I definitely, I definitely think he could have used some more character development. Yeah. But I feel like with Ashwari Rai, with like Bira, there's two kind of. They're the main characters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, would you recommend Ravan to people? Because again, it, it doesn't have the best reputation. But I ultimately feel like I got a lot out of it. I think you, this wouldn't be a, a movie I'd recommend to people who haven't seen a lot of Bollywood films before. Right. It'd be useful to see some more movies with the uh, Ramayana story in mm-hmm. it. So you could see what they're playing with. Um, I would recommend if someone has seen Sita Sings the Blues, which right. is an animated portrayal from Sita's perspective, then you would get this one from Robin's perspective. Then you can see some more movies from uh, Rom's perspective. Yeah, we don't need anything from Rom's perspective. <laughs> but like, just just to understand the levels that they're working with, that would be a good idea. Right. This wouldn't be a first movie for someone to watch, but once you've got a few under your belt, yeah, especially a few more Ashwai Rai films. My take on Robin is, I agree with you, Matt, that it's it wouldn't be on my top ten list of movies you should watch. Right. But I will say this. I love watching beautiful films. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I'm a big Terrence Malick fan is because how gorgeous his films are. Yeah, um, I think aesthetic pleasures go a long way. Right. So if you like watching beautifully shot films with some amazing music mm-hmm. and even action sequences, mm-hmm. yeah, and I would beautiful people and beautiful people, Ashwarya Rai is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would recommend this film. Yeah. yeah. That's my take on it. And, and I think people should give it a chance. People should look past this... The reputation. Regrettable... Yeah, exactly. The reputation right. and this regrettable performance. It's not a perfect film by any means. But, but it has a lot of things that works in its favor. Yeah. And I feel like people should give it another chance and try and look past Abhishek Bachchan's acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Piyush, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank and you. Lending us your perspective and your knowledge of Indian cinema. We really appreciate it. Uh, is there a way for people to follow you on social media? Um, they can follow me on Facebook. Um, 
I have a show for my page okay. for my CGSR show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find that under from Here We Go Sublime on CJSR. This and you can find the, your shows on CJSR. Do they did they digitize those? You can. Look the thing is, what I do is I pull like yeah. you have an archive and I pull like so you I put, put it on, on your SoundCloud. Yeah, okay, yeah, and cool. I share it. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say uh, thank you for having me as a guest. This was a lot of fun. And I would love to come back. Yeah, great. And I'm I'm excited to see what uh, what else in store you guys have for your next films. Well, uh, speaking of that, we're uh, staying within the Bakchan family. Yes. And we are looking at some classic prime '70s Amitabh films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are Don, Amar Akbar, Anthony, and Kabi Kabi. So you get gangsters, you get comedy, you get love story. We're going three years in a row of uh, Bakshan. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Be some big lapels. <laughs> yes. yes. And some funky disco music. It's going to be Great music. Awesome. Yeah. Are you going to channel the angry man Bachin? <laughs> uh, I'm getting further and further away from being an angry young man every year. Like, <laughs> All right. I, I, I could enough. be an angry man at my current age. Uh, but yeah, this one's going to be a good time. So we'll be back in two weeks with that episode. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can look us up on Facebook, uh, Bollywood is for Lovers. Just check it out there. Uh, we have a Tumblr, bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com. You can find us on Twitter, at BollywoodPod. You can find me there, at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I am on Twitter, at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-I-N-E-F-R-A-S-C-R. If you are a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a review and a rating on iTunes. It really helps us in those podcast rankings and helps new people discover the show. While you're over at iTunes, you can check out my other show that I do weekly with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art and Movies. Yeah, this new episode better be good because I walked in and you were watching The Notebook and <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's wrong with The Notebook, Matt? I don't know. Uh, the last 20 minutes kind of blew. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I came in for. So you're, you're doing Notebook versus what? Uh, away from her, uh, the Sarah Polly film. Well, I can see where this one's going already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matt knows what a big fan I am of Sarah Polly. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>